The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Dangerous and disturbing this puzzle is. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am your host, Derek, and this is part two of the ongoing series that I like to call the Star Wars Chronological Rewatch Experiment. And this time I will be covering episode two. Attack of the Clones. <clears throat> so, I'm looking at my tweets that I did, my tweet notes that I did while watching Attack of the Clones. So, we'll go through those and uh, I will expound upon them. So, as I said in my previous episode, uh, where I covered the Phantom Menace, uh, number one, I've been a Star Wars fan since I was about three years old, back when the movie came out. Uh, number two, I've been through the dark times when there was no Star Wars. That is why, number three, I was initially very excited when George Lucas planned to release the prequels. But then, number four, the prequels came out, and... uh Well, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know all about that. Let's just say, I think I've softened a bit on the prequels over the years. Um, I was really, I hate to say, but I was really not looking forward to rewatching the prequels. But so far, I've, and and, um, admittedly, it took me a while to force myself to watch Phantom Menace. And Attack of the Clones. I'm really looking forward to getting to into the Clone Wars animated series next. That's going to be fun. I'll probably zip right through that one. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, I'm not going to say I hated the prequels. I, I I don't hate anything Star Wars, but the prequels for a long time were definitely, definitely low on the list of Star Wars things that I loved. Now, having said that, with the rewatch of Phantom Menace, um, which was, believe it or not, that used to be my least favorite Star Wars movie, or at least I thought it was, uh, because the whole, I just didn't want to see Anakin as a little kid, um, I felt a lot of the acting in the movie was wooden, not the fault of the actors, I will say. Um, the, what else? The pod racing scene, though cool, was way too long. Um, etc., etc. There are other things, but they are escaping my mind at the moment. Mm, Darth Maul, who was supposed to be a really cool villain. Uh, yeah, you know, 
Turned out to be in another Boba Fett at the time. Seemed really cool, but then got killed, cut in half, before we even really got to experience, fully experience him. It's like, uh, Boba Fett was always supposed to be really cool, but if you really look into it, he really didn't do much, except fall in a Sarlacc pit and die. Um, but, you know, my opinion of Darth Maul, well, it's not, it's, I've always, even then I thought he was cool, but thanks to the Clone Wars cartoon, uh, it, we, we got to see Maul get redeemed as far as being a cool character, not as far, well, I'll get into all that later when I get to the Clone Wars and such, but anyway, this is supposed to be a, about Attack of the Clones, isn't it? Yes, it is. So anyway, the point I was trying to make is The Phantom Menace used to always be my least favorite movie, personally. I know a lot of people say that Attack of the Clones is their least favorite, but I realized when I started watching it last night, it's been so long since I've actually sat through Attack of the Clones that there's a lot of it that I had completely forgotten. Of course, um... If you're unaware, I have a very, very bad, bad memory, bad memory, bad, um, that I, I have a tendency not to remember a lot of things. I may have an issue with that. Perhaps I should have it looked at. (laughs) I have a, I may have a malfunctioning brain as far as memories go, but anyway, that is neither here nor there. So, um, yeah, that that's basically why Phantom Menace was my least favorite because uh that's uh that's the only one I fully remembered because uh I've seen it more times than I've seen Attack of the Clones or even Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is another one that my memories are faded on, so it might be interesting when I get to rewatch that again, we'll see. But anyway, um I have finally made it through Attack of the Clones. So let's look over my note tweets that I tweeted as I was watching, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Um, so the question remains: Is Phantom Menace still my least favorite, or has um, Attack of the Clones taken over that? Well, I'll tell you that at the end of the episode. How about that? Okay, let's move on. I actually. Uh, if you want to check out the the Twitter for the podcast, it's N-E-S-O-G-Pod. Um, and I actually tweeted out some interesting pictures as well as I was watching it. Uh, the first is um, the warnings. on. I watched, I've been watching these. I watched Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace on Disney Plus just because it's all right there on Disney Plus. So it's just the easiest way to do it. Um, and also it's, it's has some interesting little things as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the McClunky again. Although I heard rumor they might've taken that out. We'll see. But anyway, so I watch these movies on Disney plus with the closed caption turned on because it's in, it's really interesting. And I'll get into that more for one thing in Phantom Menace. It was interesting to see some of the some of the ways they wrote out Jar Jar Binks lines. But, um, and there was some interesting things in this one as well. But first of all, so the initial warning comes up 
as you are watching the um the fanfare. Oh, I didn't even take a note of that. They actually had the Fox fanfare, 20th Century Fox fanfare, which is awesome. But anyway, it said the movie is rated PG for sustained sequences of sci-fi action violence. It's <laughs> pretty that's pretty specific. It's sci-fi action and violence. What exactly does that mean? Well, you know, lasers instead of bullets, uh, lightsabers instead of swords, not as much blood, perhaps. You know, lightsabers tend to cauterize wounds. Although, you know, there's a removal of a head, uh, removal of an arm, you know, things like that. Uh, anyway, after that, it also says contains tobacco depictions. Which struck me as funny, and now that I think about it, really, I didn't, I didn't even, I forgot to pay attention to where the tobacco depictions were. I can imagine, probably on scenes in Coruscant and stuff, but I didn't really notice any big tobacco usage, so, eh, whatever. That seems a little nitpicky to me, but I am not a part of the Motion Picture Association. So, that was cool. Um, and then the next thing was, it just struck me reading the uh, the opening crawl where it says several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. And one thing that's that's always I've always found interesting about the Star Wars universe is how truly vast it is. It is an entire galaxy, an entire universe, all its own. And there are thousands of systems, thousands that want to leave the Republic. Thousands. That's amazing. When you really think about it, it's hard enough for, you know, hundreds of countries here on Earth to get along. Imagine thousands of separate planets, possibly each with their own countries or whatnot. It, if you really get into the minutiae of all that, it's kind of mind-boggling in a way. Just like when you think about... um like the Knights of the Old Republic and stuff taking place thousands of years before the events of Attack of the Clones, or, uh, you know, even at one point Palpatine said um, that the Republic has stood for thousands of generations. It, it, when you're talking about thousands and stuff, it's, it's I mean, even our history, um, you know, uh, America's history is only a couple hundred years. Uh, and, you know, even the history of mankind is only a few thousand years. Um, of course, you know, there's billions of years before that of history for the Earth. But anyway, we weren't around for that. Um, and then, as I said, my, me my memory of this movie in particular is kind of was kind of flawed. There was a lot that I had forgotten about the movie. And maybe that's because I hadn't watched it as many times as as like the phantom menace i watched a few more times because it was when it came out even though it wasn't my favorite it was the only thing out for until attack of the clones came out so probably why i watched but then when attack came out and even revenge of the sith i think it was i, I don't think i've watched those as many times as i've watched other bits of the star wars movies for example, the original trilogy, I've watched those so many times. I know all the lines by heart. And I'm probably annoying to watch Star Wars with because I, you know, I have to, re I have to say a lot of the lines and stuff. 
I'm sure there are some of you listeners out there can relate, right? 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 Okay. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Um, mm, one thing I love about the prequels is um, some of the ships and everything. It was really cool to see the the pristine ships of that time period. For example, I love... The way the Naboo ships all use chrome and stuff. The Naboo, Naboo Starfighters with the yellow and chrome. I love that. I don't, I'm don't. i not even a big fan of the color yellow in general. But in that combination on those ships, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And then the, the Queen's Cruiser is all chrome and it was amazing. Oh, I forgot to, uh, I forgot to post a picture of that. My uh, toy of the, the Queen's Cruiser up on Instagram. I'll have to do that. I'll, to, I'll, have to, I'll do that. There was something else I was going to post a picture of. And I don't remember what. Oh, my. But anyway, that. And even when it when it's when Amidala is a senator, her ship there is all a nice, beautiful chrome. And the shape of it is uh, really cool. Like it's like it looks like a giant wing. Almost it almost looks like a like a, a stealth bomber in a way not not really but you know you know like it looks more like just one big giant wing in a way so i love i love the chrome on the ships it's i mean obviously the thing about star wars is you love the the whole lived in aspect of it especially in the original trilogy but seeing seeing the prequel trilogies pristine just complete pristineness on everything except the battles of course on it it's kind of cool to see that as, as such a such a complete difference from the you know the pre-empire and the post-empire universe. It's it's really interesting. And one of the aspects, one of the many aspects I love about Star Wars. Uh, right. So of course, so I I tweeted that out when um in the beginning of the movie when. Senator Amidala was heading towards Coruscant and her ship was landing. And then when the ship landed and it got blown up uh, and then you found out that well, who you thought was Senator Amidala was actually a decoy. Not completely surprising now, but I wonder if it was then. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so the the decoy died. I forgot her name. Was it? Was it Cord Cormay Corday something like that something like that. Anyway, she died. She you know she she got hit in the in the explosion and she was dying. And Amandala, of course, went up to her and said, "Oh, I don't die." And the decoy said, uh, "You know, basically, she said, i 'I'm sorry, I failed you.'" And that that popped up a thought in my head where it's basically like. Okay, so she's supposed to be Amidala's decoy in case Amidala gets attacked. So she's supposed to to protect Amidala from the attack by pretending to be Amidala and focusing all the attack on her, which is exactly what she did in this case. She came off the ship disguised as Amidala. Ship blows up. She gets killed, uh, fatally injured. And then before she dies, she says, I'm sorry I failed you. But you, you really, she really didn't fail because she did exactly what she's supposed to do. 
her job is to take the brunt of any attack on Queen Amidala. So she didn't fail. She completely, she succeeded in her assignment to the uh, ultimate, to the ultimate end, I guess. is what, what I'm trying to say. I mean, that, that's, that was her job, basically to take a bullet for Queen Amidala, uh, Senator Amidala, excuse me. And that's what she did. So, uh, you know, you didn't fail. You pretty much succeeded. <sighs> All right. So my, my next note is that um, I, don't, I don't think Ian McDermott gets enough credit for how awesome he really is. I mean, yeah, sure, everybody loves Ian McDermott as the emperor and all that, and Chancellor Palpatine. But really, for me, he is probably, um, him and Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi are probably the uh, most solid points of the prequels. And just seeing seeing Ian McDermott go from, you know, the smooth-talking Chancellor Palpatine all the way to the the evil, twisted Palpatine, was it it was amazing and it's amazing to see him act out all the plans and schemes that he's created and and i just i think ian mcdermott ian mcdermott is um i just think he should be getting more credit personally i just think he's one of the better parts of of star wars you know and it's not that he doesn't get credit it just you know how how many times is anybody how many times does he get mentioned overall you know when people are talking about star wars think about it but i digress so ian mcdermott uh you are pretty amazing in my book sir hey uh <laughs> so like i said i watch i'm watching these with the closed caption on just to catch everything and to catch things interesting things that you might not otherwise catch. For example, whenever R2-D2 speaks on screen, the closed caption shows it as beeping. <laughs> it just, uh, I mean, I guess there's no other way t- to describe. Well, I mean, you could just say R2 talking or R2 beeping. I don't know. It's just weird the way it comes up beeping. And then uh, yeah, just a. Uh, just I wrote Jedi Poodoo indeed after one of the uh in the chase scene, you know, there was a whole thing and there was a line that said Jedi Poodoo. I don't know why I just that struck me as it's weird that <laughs> Poodoo is like one of the big insults. It's funny. It always makes me laugh every time. Especially when someone is called Bantha Poodoo. I mean, it I don't know, it just it it makes me laugh. Anyway. Speaking of the chase scene, um, Zam Wessel, who who kind of <sighs> was funny because in the the lead up to the release of the movie, Zam Wessel was kind of um, a a good bit of attention was put towards her, and she really <laughs> was a bit player in the movie. But I remember that. I remember thinking, "Oh, Zam Wessel's cool. I can't wait to see what Zam Wessel does and all this other stuff." But anyway, but yeah, so Zam Wessel had a quick scene and then got killed. So another uh, another Darth Maul case, but she was not quite as cool as Darth Maul. But it did lead me to think. Uh, I've always wondered about change changelings and shapeshifters and stuff. 
And if I were were a shapeshifter, I mean, if you're a shapeshifter, how do you decide what you want to look like normally? Or do you just, I mean, you, you know, like take, take the X-Men movies where you have Mystique and she's often portrayed as a blue character, blue woman with red hair and such. And in the comics as well, although in the comics, she tends to wear more clothes. But is that because that's her natural state or does she choose that state? Does she like that look? Uh, because she's a changeling, so she could she, she's a shapeshifter. She could have any look that she wants. And if I were a shapeshifter, I would probably pick a different look at least every day. Um, or I don't know if I'd go every hour of every day. That, that seems like it might be tedious. But I don't know. I would. I would never. You know. I would always be just changing my looks just to suit my mood. You know. Which I've known, like in, in stories, I noticed shapeshifters don't really do that all that often. Like, if I were a shapeshifter, you would not know what my original appearance was. You, you would not know what I looked like when, you know, when I was born or whatever. You, I would be changing so often that you would never know what my normal, quote unquote, normal appearance would be. That's just a personal choice. I don't know. Again, I, you know, I'm not a shapeshifter, so I can't say for sure, but that's just my thought. I, you know, if you have it, if you have the ability to change your appearance, why wouldn't you? As often as you could, just for fun. <sighs> um, yeah, and I actually forgot that Zam Wessel was a changeling, so there you go. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> watching Anakin talk to Padme, especially in the beginning when Padme was packing to go back to Naboo, uh, <laughs> my thought was, man, Anakin sure is smooth with the ladies, huh? Yeah. And if you can't tell, that was sarcasm because he, I don't think he's smooth with words, period, let alone when he's speaking to women. I can't even, eh. I'm even sure he's a Jedi. He's not supposed to have attachments and all that, but you know, you know, learn how to talk to people. You whiny. Anyway, move on. Move on. So, the then we go to the scene where Obi Wan goes to see his buddy Dex at his the diner there, and in oh man I spelled that wrong on my tweet. Um, not that anybody seemed to care, but anyway, um, the droid waitress I guess um asked Obi Wan if he wanted some Jawa juice. At least that's what it said. Uh. That's what it said in the closed caption. That's what it sounded like, Jawa juice. So my question is, what is Jawa juice exactly? Is it is it the juice of a Jawa? Because that's going to lead me down a whole weird path that I'm not sure I want to go down. Or is it just uh, a beverage flavored to taste like a Jawa? What does a Jawa taste like? Again, a whole path I don't really want to go down. Or is it is it a drink uh, originally made by Jawas? Because Jawas don't strike me as uh, the best of mi- mixologists in the world. Certainly. Um, and, you know, uh, if you watch The Mandalorian, you'd you know that they seem to like t- 
to eat raw eggs. Uh, and I can't imagine anything a Jawa would make would be tasty. But maybe that's just me. So anyway, what exactly is Jawa juice? If anyone knows, please feel free to let me know. And as I sp said, I spelt it wrong on my tweet. So I'll just fix that real net, real quick. Jawa juice. Gross. All right, moving on. <laughs> so speaking of the closed captions, as I said, it's... If you want, if you want a new, um, a fun new experience, uh, I suggest watching the Star Wars movies with the closed caption on. It's it's quite interesting. Uh, in this one case, um, we find out, and I posted a picture of the closed caption on my TV that uh, R two D two does in fact give out raspberries, and basically, you know, a raspberry you stick out your tongue, you know. Um, that is exactly what R2 is doing, according to the closed caption. So if you ever thought, hey, I think he's doing, giving out raspberries, that is what he does to people he is not happy with. Okay. And and then next up, we get to the scene where Obi-Wan is investigating Kamino and he can't find it in the archives. So he goes to Yoda, who is teaching a class of younglings who help him figure out why he can't find Kamino on a map and really he Obi-Wan should have been able to figure that out himself. I don't know why it need he needed younglings to tell him that somebody wiped it out of the the memory bank. <clears throat> Think out of the box, Obi-Wan. But what it did lead to one line that I really liked uh from Yoda and that is uh truly wonderful the mind of a child is and given the way, you know, the backwards um, speak that Yoda has, I just like the way that line. I like that line. I like the way it was it was said. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, then, I mean, uh, this is one of the things that I and a lot of people um, didn't like about the prequels. And that is the political side of things. So basically, when I was watching the whole Senate parts where Palpatine became was given full power as Supreme Chancellor. And I said, you know, I really think Star Wars could use more politics. I can't get enough. And that was, of course, sarcasm. Oh, and then um, so next we came to the scene where Obi-Wan was going to Kamino. And um, I said, you know, I, I like the design of the Jedi Starfighters in Attack of the Clones. They look really, you know, Obi-Wan's Jedi Starfighter looks really cool and everything. But the whole, that whole hyperspace ring, I don't, I don't like that. It just, you know, I get it. I get why it, it's a thing. It just, it seems, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. It just, I don't know. Like, what happens if, if if the starfighter gets destroyed, then the ring is just floating out there in space. I mean, yeah, yeah, just one of the weird thoughts I had, like I said, just a personal preference. Uh, another crazy thought I had was that, uh, I'm not really sure how well the Camino body type would work in, in real life. Given that they're so weird and tall and skinny and gangly and, I don't know. It seems like that 
I mean, maybe for their on their planet, it fits in with their you know environment and gravity. So, but it seems very. I don't know. To me, it just seems like it's just weird. And I get that, you know, well, man, that's what they were going for and all that. But realistically, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. I'm like, I don't know if that, you know, freaking, they look like they look like Q-tips with with arms and legs. It's just, <laughs> it's just weird. It's just a little stupid little thing I noted. Um, another thing I noted is that I I like. Padme's outfits better in uh, Attack of the Clones than in uh, The Phantom Menace, I think. I think she has a better wardrobe in Attack of the Clones. Maybe because she doesn't have to dress up as the queen so often. And, you know, the queen is quite flashy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word I was looking for, but there you go. Uh <laughs> Another thing that struck me as odd is when, when during you know the course of Anakin trying to woo Padme and stuff, um, and when he was talking about you know how he's in pain every moment he's away from her and all that, blah blah blah. So I said, ah, Anakin Skywalker, world class poet. <laughs> it was yeah. That's another thing with the prequels. Some of the dialogue, and it's the same. It's it's the same in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Some of the dialogue is a little cringy. I certainly wouldn't have written it that way, but that's okay. <laughs> so next, it was this 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 part um, made me laugh. So basically. You know, Anakin has a dream about his mother, Shmi, which that name still, it seems like somebody was like, well, what are we going to call her? I don't know. Shmi, how about Shmi? But anyway, uh, after Anakin has a dream about his mother, Shmi, in danger, he is, you know, standing outside kind of meditating and Padme kind of comes up comes out to see him and and she says she doesn't want to bother him and all that but <laughs> there's a part where he basically you know he lets out a deep sigh and the and this is part of why I think it's kind of fun to watch it with the closed captioning it actually says deep sigh on the closed captioning <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So I wrote, that's deep, man. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a dad joke. That was a bad dad. It amused me. Next up, so of course, with the dream, uh, they realize, Anakin realizes Shmi is in trouble. So they go to Tatooine. Of course, we see another chrome Naboo ship landing on Tatooine looking really out of place with all the other ships. And uh so they show you know, it made me think about the docking bays on Tatooine and on other planets. And of course, you know, uh, uh the docking bay where we first saw the Falcon and all that. And my and I was wondering about sizes and stuff. And basically I wondered do they have do they have to make ships um when they build ships, do they have to be under a certain size to accommodate docking bays? 
or do the docking bays need to be built a certain size to accommodate a variety of ships? Is it just random? Like if you're going to if you're going to build a docking bay, do you have how how do you decide what size to make the docking bay? Is there a standard size for ships in general? I know there aren't, you know, there's bigger ships, smaller ships, but I is there is there some kind of standard is what I'm wondering with ships and docking bays, because otherwise it would just be random chaos. And you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to land at this docking bay. Oh, your ship doesn't fit. Get out of here. But anyway, that's, these are the types of things that go through my mind. Next up, we get to a part where Anakin visits his old friend, Watto. And, and of course he talks to Watto and all that. And, uh, you know, but again, what's funny about the closed captioning is there's a part where there's a fly flying around Watto and the closed captioning actually says fly buzzing. And then it says species and then it says Watto speaking basic Annie. But was it really necessary to close caption the fly buzzing because you could see the fly flying around Watto's head. Or maybe whoever's doing the closed captioning was just bored and was like, hey, fly buzzing. <laughs> Again, these are the thoughts that go through my head as I'm watching the movie. Um, including a thought uh, where I love, of course, Star Wars has some of the best sound effects of any movie franchise ever. Uh, but one thing that really in particular I really loved was... The part where Anakin follows Jango Fett to Geonos Geonosis, and they're flying, you know, they're Jango's trying to lose Obi-Wan in the asteroid field on the way to Geonosis, and he files, he fires a couple of, of seismic charges out. I really loved the way the sound was handled for the seismic charge in space. It was so, it was just really cool. And it really, I don't know, it just, get, it, it was just really cool. That's all I'm going to say. Even though, technically, there would be absolutely no sound in space. You know, nobody in space, nobody can hear you scream and all that. And nobody can hear you fart either, so, you know, it's a let her rip, I guess. What happens to astronauts when they fart? That's one of the deep questions that plague my mind. What happens when an astronaut farts? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so the sound on the seismic the way they did it was really cool uh and then after that Django goes through an asteroid inside an asteroid and flies through it obi-wan follows him and then Django exits the asteroid and and hides so that when obi-wan gets out of the asteroid Django comes in behind him but my question is um what would have happened if Django had fired another seismic charge into the asteroid as he was leaving it? And, it, you know, that would have taken out Obi-Wan. But I guess it would have been a little risky because it could have blown up the asteroid and it could have, you know, it, it, it could have Django could have gotten caught in in the in the the mess that's left after that. But still, but still. What would have happened if Jingo had fired a seismic charge into that asteroid? 
my next thought was uh, Slave One, Jango's ship that then becomes Boba's ship. Uh, I've always liked the design of Slave One. It's really cool. It's really interesting. And the way, you know, the way it flies is really cool. But we got to see, which I liked, in Attack of the Clones, we got to see that the that Slave One is just packed to the gills with all kinds of cool weaponry. Um, and it's very impressive. So that I liked seeing. That was a cool bit of Attack of the Clones, seeing what Slave One can do. That was fun. That was really... Because you don't, you don't see anything about what Slave One can do in the original trilogy other than, you know, fly. That's, a, that's all you see. Which again leads me to my point that Boba Fett, whereas he looked cool, he really wasn't that, that cool when you get down to it. <clears throat> and next up, um, so when Anakin goes to Tatooine and he goes to find his mother, he comes across the Lars family. Um, the actress who plays who plays the young Aunt Beru, her name is Bonnie P.S. And uh, I actually got to I got to talk to her. She was on one of my one of the other podcasts I'm on, and I can't remember if it was Wookie Radio, which would make sense, or Weeby Geeks. Uh, but when I looked it up, I couldn't find it on Wookie Radio, so it might be Weeby Geeks. But anyway, so we interviewed her, and she she was really cool. She was she was. She was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, she does music and stuff too, so that's pretty cool. Uh, she's she's really focusing on her music now. But we all came up with the idea of doing of doing um, like if like for the Obi Wan show, they should bring her back to play Baru again. I would we would love that. That would be great. And and she's yeah, she's just really cool. I really liked her. <laughs> Bonnie P.S. Check her out if you. You know, follow her on, on whatever social media she's on. So, <clears throat> after that, Anakin goes and he takes, he finds his mother. She dies. He kills all of the Tusken Raiders. And then at, that leads to his big monologue scene where he talks about how he killed all of them, even the women and children. And it's all Obi-Wan's fault for not trusting him and blah, blah, blah. Whiny, whine, whine. And then what's funny is so Anakin throws something into one of the back rooms and the closed captioning says object clattering. And then it says sniffling. And that would be Anakin sniffling like a little baby. (laughs) Uh, And that's that's a big part of uh, the complaints a lot of people have about the prequels is that they turn Darth Vader into a whiny little sack, which, you know, Luke was kind of whiny too. So I guess like father, like son, huh? <laughs> no, but I can't, I can't, I, you know, I love these characters. And so anyway, uh, then we skipped ahead a little, um, you know, I was quiet for a little while until we got to the part of where Anakin, and Padme and the droids go to the to Geonosis to find Obi Wan, and they go into the droid factory. And basically, I wondered if it was George's intention, George Lucas, to make that scene feel like a video game or be a video game because 
that's all I could think of when I was watching it is this would be in a game that I would be playing. Um, I don't even know if there was an Attack of the Clones video game. There was a Phantom Menace game. There was a couple of Phantom Menace games. Uh, one really good, the pod racing game. One not so great, the movie game. But anyway, I, if there was if there was a Phantom Menace game, I certainly had no interest in playing it. But if, you know, I could totally see that the droid factory scene, including the parts with both Anakin and Padme and C-3PO and R2-D2, uh, all of that would definitely be a video game level. Hmm. Then my next thought was, okay, so I know it was the early days of CGI, and they relied on CGI a lot for these movies. Not all of it was CGI. I know there was still some practical effects. But, you know, some some of the CGI was really, really good. But then there were other things that were not really that great looking. For example, the the moment in particular when I wrote this tweet was when they, when um, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme were captured and about to be executed in, you know, the... Uh, the Geonosis Coliseum, if you will, by the other uh, various animals. Um, like, like there was a lot of that that looked really good. Like, did, when they focused on the different animals, they, for the most part, looked pretty good. But then there was a part, like, where Anakin jumped on to the back of the Ron Ronto. Am I remembering that correctly? Again, I have a bad memory, so forgive me. But yeah, yeah, Ronto. When he jumped on the back of the Ronto and he was like basically bull riding, that that did not look so good. I'm afraid, you know, you can really see. So stuff like that didn't quite work so well. But then other stuff like when they just showed the creatures by themselves, they looked really cool. So it's a mix. It's a mix of really awesome and a little shaky. But you know, again, it was the early days of CGI. But again. You know, they relied a lot on CGI, so, you know, I guess you got to take the good with the bad, I guess, you know? or the bad with the good, I should say. <sighs> but there you go. Um, so next up, also in that scene, um, I had mentioned in The Phantom Menace how much I really love the Destroyer droids, also known as the Droid Decas, and uh, I said I wish they had used them more, um, but I forgot. As I said in my my faulty memory of of this movie, I forgot I forgot how much they actually used the droid decas in Attack of the Clones, which made me happy. I still would like to see more. You know, I mean, it was basically they just roll in and shoot people, but I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more meaty bits with the with the the droid decas. I'd like to see see them stretch themselves, really get their acting chops and. and <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I love the Joy Decas, and I'm always happy to see them. And I wish, I wish we could could have seen them. I mean, obviously, we couldn't see them in the original trilogy because that was done before the prequel trilogy. But we could, they could have had some really old ones in in the um in the sequel trilogy at some point. That would have been kind of cool. Uh, I know they're in the Clone Wars. I know. Maybe I'll uh maybe I'll have to keep track of how many times I see them in the Clone Wars cartoon, huh? <laughs> anyway, next up 
my next note is that Kit Fisto makes me smile for many reasons. I love Kit Fisto, even though, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to have seen more of him. Um, but I mean, obviously there's the name Kit Fisto. If that doesn't make you smile, then, you know, I don't know what will. Uh, secondly, there's, <laughs> he smiles a lot and I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but in the, he's, every time I see him, he's always got this cool, sm- I don't even know if it's supposed to be a smile, but it looks like he's smiling and it just, I don't know the way he looks when he smiles just makes me smile. I don't know. It just, it, does that sound weird? That might sound weird. I think that sounds weird. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Kit Fisto. Pretty cool. I like him. Um, oh, another thing I, I'm, Going back to the sound effects, I do like the sound of Jingle's blaster. I remember in The Phantom Menace, I said I didn't like the sound of the Naboo blasters, uh, but Jingle's blaster, kind I, I kind of like the way it sounds. It's pretty cool. It's nice. It is nice to have every once in a while to have some different sounding blasters um, because in general, they all sound the same. So it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't know why this struck me, but but when the clones came in and attacked, I just, I want to see, and I'm going to have to keep my, my eyes and ears peeled. You know, I say eyes because I'll be watching closed caption, but I want to see, I want to see, hear it at least once, but if more than once, then I'll have to keep track of how many times I notice it, but I want to hear people say, send in the clones, because that would amuse me on a personal level. So send in the clones. Uh, then I note. Then I noted that uh, I I really like the design of the Republic gunships in the prequel era. I don't know; they're just really cool, and I really like them. They're fun, and they're, they're fun toys too. I have uh, I have a collection of Hot Wheels Star Wars ships, which is really cool, and uh, their little die cast and everything. And I am currently holding the Republic gunship in my hand as we speak. And it's just, it's just, I just really like the design of the, of the gunship. It's really cool. A lot of prequel era stuff is really neat too. I love how different it is than the, than the original trilogy stuff, which I, you know, that's all great stuff too. It's a different time period. So it's, it's pretty cool. Ah, and then I noticed, um, the scene where they show the plan, you know, the plans for the death star. Uh, from the Geonosians, and there's something I don't know. I'm gonna have to see after I get past A New Hope and get through Rogue One and everything. But there's something, there was something not quite adding up right in my mind about the creation of the Death Star and the timeline of it and everything. But it could just be my faulty memory. So I'm putting a pin in that for now. I'll get back to it after I finish A New Hope. Uh, and we'll see if it all adds up with Rogue One and everything, and I'll let you know. Um, the other thing, next up, I said, um, going back to the Republic gunships, so we know the whole thing about how the Clone, clone Wars, the Clone, excuse me, the Clone Army came about, you know, Sifo Diaz, Django Fett, the Caminos, blah, 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 and how it all, how that all happened. But what about the the weapons and the vehicles how did that all come about was that who who made the vehicle i don't think it, it couldn't have been the caminos i i can't imagine that they're cloners not shipbuilders so who built all the weaponry for the clones and was that also a part of uh the whole cypher Sifo, 
thing and everything and and you know like when 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 the clones were commissioned by Sifo-Dyas were the ships and weapons and everything also commissioned by Sifo-Dyas and uh, what is the story behind the vehicles that's what I want to know so so we'll see <laughs> this is a funny little thought but uh when when Dooku hit Anakin with his lightning uh do you think that Anakin was do you think that uh in the back of Anakin's head the thought went through of uh I got to learn how to do that and maybe that's why he went to the dark side <laughs> I'm just kidding that's that's just a joke this is a joke <clears throat> oh and I put up a poll on my on the the Nisog pod Twitter and that's at NESOG podcast um and and there is six days left on the the poll, and basically the poll is when the first time you saw these scenes, which one did you, which one was more amazing to you, more jaw dropping? And this is this is not now or not you know not when you think about it. The first time you saw the scene, what amazed you more? Uh, the whole scene of Yoda fighting Count Dooku or the scene of Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. The first time you saw them, which one was more impressive to you? Which one was cooler? So uh, feel free to uh, to go check out that poll and, uh, and, and voice your opinion. Uh, next up, I said, um, I kind of, I have to admit, I, I kind of thought that Count Dooku's solar sailor, the ship he escaped on, was a pretty cool idea because I know there's, um, I know, I know, in the real world they are working on solar sails and stuff like that. I know the Planetary Society is work is is. I don't know if they're actually working on a physical ship, but they are working on the idea of using solar sails and stuff. And I think that's a really cool idea. I like that idea. And of course, it's been in other sci-fi things as well. So it's not like a a new a newfangled crazy idea. It's 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 a pretty good idea. All right. So next up, there was you know there's a moment at the end near the end of the film where I posted the wrong picture. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, oh, did I not get the picture? Oh. Anyway, so there's a part in the near the end of the movie where basically uh Yoda has the line um begun this clone war has and it's interesting because um because then as I'm going to be covering next on the Star Wars chronological rewatch experiment we get into the Clone Wars animated series and um I believe if you really think about it, um, the Clone Wars is mislabeled because it is not the Clone Wars. It should be the Clone War because it is one single war filled with many battles. So you could technically call it the Clone Battles or it, you know, the Clone War animated series but technically calling it the clone wars is incorrect because it is not multiple wars it is one single war and i have yoda to back me up on that 
Ah, so I forgot to put that a picture on that one too. But anyway, um, as I, I tweeted that my favorite scene probably in the Clone Wars is is towards the end when when the entire clone army is is you know when they show the entire clone army boarding their ships and everything um and they play they're playing a combination of the imperial march and the uh invasion theme from that was that I loved in Phantom Menace uh just the whole scene with the music and the way Palpatine's overlooking everything and all that. It's oh, oh, I love that scene. That scene gives me chills. So yeah, that, that's my favorite, just my favorite single scene in the whole thing. And uh, there you have it. That is my full, um, my full viewing of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. So I managed to get through. Phantom Menace and Attack of the the Clones. Uh, and my final verdict is I don't I don't I still I still I don't know. I still think the Phantom Menace is probably my least favorite. I didn't mind the clone the Attack of the Clones so much, especially given what comes next with the Clone Wars animated series and everything. I'm gonna I'll tell you the, the Clone Wars animated series has really, really helped improve the prequels. It, which might be why I'm still Phantom Menace is still my least favorite because the Clone Wars comes in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and the Clone Wars really, like the Clone Wars, really. I mean, it introduces some great new characters like Ahsoka and everything, but it also helps to really flesh out Anakin in a way that you don't get with the movies themselves. So you really get to see Anakin go from, you know, the whiny brat, the whiny, whatever you want to call him in, in attack of the clones to, you can see the darkness filling him and stuff in, in the clone wars up until revenge of the Sith. So, so I think, I think the clone wars, is a very big, important part of Star Wars, and I am looking forward to covering it next. Um, so that will that will be coming up in the next edition of the Star Wars Chronological Rewatch Experiment. I hope you will stick with me for that, uh, because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun covering the Clone Wars. And I'm going to be doing that in um, because I found an article that breaks up the clone wars into story arcs and and it puts the story arcs in chronological order which is cool so i can watch i can watch them by story arcs and do an episode on each story arc which also i find interesting that uh at least in the beginning the story arcs cover don't just cover like the first season like I know there's at least one story arc I can think of offhand that has an episode from the first season, an episode from the third season, blah blah blah, such and such, and uh, and so I'll be I'll be covering that, and that's gonna be fun because the Clone Wars is definitely I love the Clone Wars, but because there's seven seasons of it, there's definitely a lot of gaps in my memory, 
and it'll be fun it'll be fun to compare it to along with the movies so there you go that'll do it kids for this episode of the star wars chronological rewatch experiment part two attack of the clones um thank you all for listening i hope you will join me when i cover the next section which will be the beginning of the clone wars animated series but in the meantime that's going to do it for this episode i thank you all for listening uh until next time be safe out there everyone take care of each other and of course May the Force be with you all. Good night, everybody. Master Yoda, do you think it will really come to war? Mm, The dark side clouds everything. Impossible to see. The future is. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com that's n-e-s-o-g pod at gmail.com follow us on twitter at nesog podcast that's n-e-s-o-g podcast find us on facebook on our new england society of geeks podcast page follow us on instagram at Nisog Pod. That's N E S O G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night. Yeah. Only now, at the end, do you understand?